This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we reveal the top eight teams, according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac. Fulton, he will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. <laughs> Yesterday's 14, 15 hours of just absolute madness. It got off to a slow start today, but boy, oh, boys, we knew it would. The second slate, the primetime game would find ways to deliver. Now, they were choppy in both instances, but the the bag was brought home, and we were happy. Uh, Let's dive in to the Sunday night game that we just got done watching not too long ago. Uh, Listen. It was a dominant start from Philly. And I don't know who the first team is that's going to figure out the second half Eagles thing, like who's going to make them pay for it. But at the end of the day, maybe maybe it's something not really to be worried about because teams will finally get, you know, some momentum. And in the NFL, it's always going to be a close game. There's so many factors that that go in. There's so many determining factors. So I'm not wor- I'm not super worried yet until maybe they just lose. Uh, let's start off in this first half for the Eagles. Defensively, man, this is the difference that I'm noticing. We've mentioned before how they have what I think is the best line play in the league on both sides, uh, just combined. I don't think they have the best. Yeah, they probably – them or Kansas City have the best offensive line in the league. Them, Buffalo, Dallas, those uh, – Tampa Bay, those are the best defensive lines in the league. But uh, – San Francisco, of course. But when you get to the depth of Philly as well, that's where they match up. But just combined, you know, you look at Tampa, good D-line, bad O-line. Uh, Kansas City, good O-line, D-line is very, very average. 
uh, a team like, as we just mentioned, San Francisco. Gritty line, offensive line outside of one player is banged up and very mediocre. So you don't have the combination like Philadelphia does where if you just add the, the both of them up, uh, it's that that's where we say they have the best line play in the league. And the thing tonight that was impressive to me was noticing their secondary and how well they've played. Darius Slay already has played at an all-pro level this year, and that continued tonight. But they also – now, maybe this is potentially because Cooper Rush, you don't have zip on the ball, the passes are lofty, but they swarm the passes, they get tip balls, they, not, they deflect the, the pass – they're able to step in lanes. Darius Slay, uh, James Bradbury, and tonight we finally saw uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson really get involved. They gave up, a, I believe, a fifth for him from the Saints because the Saints had to shed cap. I mean, he is a fantastic player, and the fact that he kind of can move now. He played nickel in New Orleans, and now he plays safety, which is kind of the position he can thrive at. And, man, they, he had two picks tonight. He was sensational. That secondary from Philadelphia has been really, really, really good. And defensively, that was the thing for me that was the most impressive because their defense was able to make make their offense start with short fields the majority of the game. They were getting a push and they were running the ball and the balance that they showed. This is the thing we talk about with the Eagles offense. You, they force you to fit, to guard not only guard the width of the field, but they make you guard each segment of the field from sideline to sideline, each quarter, each third, and each level. So they're making you not only defend north and south, they're also making you defend east to west. And it is an absolute bitch when you have to do that. And here's the thing. No one has been able yet to force them to play from behind the sticks. They don't commit penalties on offense. They they always stay on schedule. They always end up being in second and third and manageable. So they never have to force. They're never they're they're never forced to have to drop back on a third and nine, a third and eleven, and have to make Jalen Hurts make make a throw. And this is still not in spite of. You know, him, he's played well. He made a couple bad throws early that he just missed on. But, like, he's played well and he's allowed to play well in this system. And tonight, what they were able to do, which was very, very impressive. I love it when teams do this. When when teams have – now, not everyone can do this because, especially in the NFL, you need a quarterback that is able to to, – to, be able to move the ball and run the ball, be a running threat. When it's in college, you see this a lot more in college. If there's a dominant defensive player in college, you will see a team that has a mobile quarterback because mobile quarterbacks in college are just more likely. You'll see a team run, read a place where they just don't block him. It's hard enough to block him anyway. So what they end up doing is they just don't block him, make him read the play. So you're always making that guy be wrong. Dallas obviously has stars on their defense outside of Micah Parsons, but Micah Parsons, you know, he's the guy that you're going to want to focus on because he can wreck plays. And <laughs> he's just so good, man. I mean, real quick, Micah Parsons is the, like, I Aaron Donald forever. But the torch, the torch can be passed. Micah Parsons is the best player in the league. 
like we don't have to we don't have to deny that anymore, right? Like the tape is good enough and he does so many different things. He's the best player in football. Him, Donald, Mahomes, Allen, those and all, you know, they're all great and I think those are the four best guys in the league right like right now. Four and Barkley. Barkley's up there too. So this Philadelphia offense, the stuff they were doing was making Micah Parsons always be wrong with the read plays. You're reading him. You're running the ball up front. And we'll get to some second-half stuff that they did here later. But the things that they were doing to always make that one defender be wrong, it's impressive. It was an impressive game plan. And you're just putting a guy on an island knowing he can make a play, but knowing you can be quick enough and fast enough, but also be calm enough to know that if he is barreling straight at you, you can be calm, cool, and collected to deliver a pass, deliver a ball, to make the right decision to, to make sure that everything is going to be successful. And they were able to get some easy, cheap touchdowns with that. A.J. Brown is, is a difference maker. He can make plays. Devontae Smith is growing. Miles Sanders, is this the most effective he's ever been in the NFL? And, again, this is a team that knows exactly what they are. In the second half, that for Dallas – Here's some stuff to go grow on for Dallas. They were down 20 to nothing. They started to get going. They were able to come back. I mean, when they didn't turn the ball over, they were able to move the ball. Here's what I the one thing I have noticed with the Eagles in their biggest games. Their three biggest games of the year, the three toughest teams they've played were the Vikings, the Cowboys tonight, and the Jags. And the things that have stood out to me are that the the they are susceptible they can get teams can move the ball on them but it's hard to not turn the ball over against them they are they are forcing turnovers not as many as like buffalo is but they are forcing turnovers and you wonder how much how long and sustainable that that can be it 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 can be it's just wondering if that's something if you can't get those tip balls how will that end up affecting you? I know that this with Dallas, there's a lot of stuff that they've done. And listen, they're now four and two, but we thought after week one when Dak got hurt that they were going to be, that their season was done. And that's not the case. And for this Dallas Cowboys team, there's a lot of stuff that they can take away from the last month that are positives. We know the running game is good. The offensive line can hold up. If they can continue to use that and continue to, you know, be unpredictable in certain downs when Dak comes back, this is a team that I think can really, because of their defense and how good their defense has become, they're going to outpunch their weight class and what we all thought they could be coming into this season. Their offensive line, I thought, did a really good job today tonight of, of moving up front. They did some schematic stuff well, and... The running game. This was Ezekiel Elliott's best game just running the ball I've seen in a while. And the, we know Tony Pollard, if, you know, he can hit a hole and he can get going. I'm not too worried about Dallas. This Philadelphia team, listen, man, this is a, this is a, spart, a spot where we are at the, the helm now of wondering who knocks them off. And everyone has probably gone through their schedule talking about how easy it is. 
Um, and that is the case for all three NFC East teams. We're going to get to the other one later. They won today a game we didn't expect them to win. But, hey, listen, man, you got to tip the cap. And the with when it comes to this Eagles this Eagles ball club, I, again, this is the. I think this is going to be the one seed unless something drastic happens. This team should go thirteen and four, fourteen and three, but I don't know what that says about them as Super Bowl contender. But I definitely think that they have, they can get there. Um, they can get there. The thing is, I just think there's two teams on an entirely different planet right now, and we're going to talk about them after we take this quick break. Uh, we'll have that those two teams, the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah. Levels to this shit, my friend. We'll be back with that next. This episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport. Chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of 7th Street in Moline, Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football-watching experience with one of their famous Quad City-style pot pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC-style pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House, Pizza and Grill, 7th Street in Moline. And also, Clint is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny fried chicken. That's Clint Pizza House and Chicken, 7th Street Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. All right, Bills and Chiefs. Listen, man, this wasn't the greatest game ever, and just because the officials, I mean, that's the thing. I don't want to get into it because it's just going to bug me, but officiating, we see in these games, it's like it feels like there's a pa- a penalty every six, seven plays, man. It just... Like, ugh, it's so frustrating to watch some of these games with how they are being officiated right now. But, oh, well, let's actually talk about this Chiefs-Bills game because it was, it was fun. And it was nice to see each team struggle and have to adapt. So early on, listen, Buffalo on script is, I mean, they are smooth as shit. And of course, Kansas City, both these teams, like you can tell a good offense, a good offensive team and a good a good a well-coached team in this league when you can see how easy it is for them when they are on script. You can obviously tell a bet how great a team is when off script they can still be effective. But like when on script drives for them are just bang on the banana opening drives, you're going to, no matter what, get yourself in a f- scoring position. That is where, like, I can tell you are just polished on f- all fronts. Like, take a look for the car- a team like the Arizona Cardinals, for example. They haven't scored a first-quarter point 
in like 32 games or something like that. I don't know if that's the case, but it's bad. It is bad. Or no, first quarter drives. They haven't scored on their last like 32 first quarter drives. That's nuts to me. But anyway, I, so the one thing is both these teams on their opening drives were very silky. But then in the red zone, these teams have gotten funky. Now, here are similarities. Both of these teams are so similar. <laughs> we're going to talk about that throughout this. Um, Buffalo and the Chiefs both struggle. I wouldn't say that the, the Chiefs definitely struggle more in short yardage situations because they don't trust their run game. They don't run the ball with Pat Mahomes. Uh... And the Bills struggle in the red zone. The Chiefs struggle to an extent in the red zone at times. But again, note the run game isn't there. And the, the, it is odd, though, because Buffalo does trust Allen to run the ball. They do it a lot, but they don't They don't really use it in the red zone too, too much. But more times than not, they just kind of abandon it. So it is a bit weird. Now... The first drive for each team, you have the the Allen fumble where he kind of laterals it back to Isaiah McKenzie, and he just drops it. Rough night for Isaiah McKenzie, by the way. Had that, he dropped a touchdown on a, what would have been a fourth and goal score, but he tripped over himself and then dropped the ball on their last drive that they actually scored on at the end of the half. We'll get to that. Uh, and then the Kansas City interception, not good for Mahomes. Now, Kyrie Elam, the first-round pick from Florida, made a fantastic play, but, man, Mahomes needs to know better. That is – that's an interception you see. Trevor Lawrence, we've seen him, Jacoby Brissett. See these younger guys make that play, man. That's just not one that a guy like him should make. And that is tough. That's really tough. You cannot have – a play like that, you just got to chuck it out of the end zone, get it into the stands, and get three free points on third down. Um, I, other than that, in the first half, the Bills moved the ball, but they they goofed up a couple fourth downs. The Chiefs get a first down here or there, but not too much. I really liked the Juju Smith-Schuster performance today. That was the best game he's had as a Chief. That was the best game he's had in general in, like, two years at least. Very nice to see. The late half explosion for the Bills is just incredible. How you're pinned inside your goal line and then able to get down the field in four plays. There's a lot of schematic stuff when you look at how the Bills are able to attack the Chiefs. They're able to hit these one-on-one -on -one throws on the outside. They're able to do stuff with Davis, and this is the best that Diggs has played against the Chiefs. They The Chiefs were unable to take him away in the middle of the field like they normally had. Davis was able to hit one-on-ones. I know people are going to be like, oh, the Chiefs had guys out. Listen, everybody, everybody in this league has people who are hurt, get the fuck over yourself. And here's the thing. The Chiefs' corners have always been bad. Even last year when they had dudes and they were healthy, their DBs have always been bad at one-on-ones. It's why they always get nailed with DPIs because they can't cover in space. 
and they always get burned on one-on-ones outside over the top. They cannot cover those plays. They don't have guys that are good enough. And Gabe Davis was able to exploit that. They were able to do a great job of using different ways of lining Stephon Diggs up, whether in the slot, whether outside, to really mash him and move the ball with that. Another thing that the Bills did today that was impressive was they were able to commit to the run game more effectively than the Chiefs. And Singletary was able to get some yardage. Again, the Bills just abandoned the run game now like every week, and it's like, why? And I don't think Singletary Singletary pisses me off because he's a terrible pass blocker, and he just is not – I just – there's a lot of stuff with him I don't like. But they still – he's good enough if you hand him the ball to make something happen. And 17 carries for 85 yards, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's enough. And when when you look at the other side, the Chiefs don't have really anything when it comes to running the football. I think that's a huge difference in how these two teams are operating right now is one side can actually get a run game going if they commit to it, and today they did. And the Chiefs obviously are extremely susceptible to the running game. And their D-line, I think, interiorly is good. On the outside, edge rushers, I don't think they have game changers. Um, Carl Loftus and Clark are good players, but I don't think they're game changers. And Bolton is a guy who you put your head up and he's there. But there's a lot of times, too, where he's kind of just catching dudes that are coming up to block him. Uh, so that – and they're all, other than him at the line, second and third level. They don't have guys I really like. They're slow. They're not fast. Um, but offensively for the Chiefs, you try to think of why were they unable to really maneuver the ball downfield. Now they were able to take some chunks. I mean, Mahomes still finished with 338 yards. They were able to hit some big big shots. They were able to to navigate the football that way. But they weren't able to really sustain too many drives, you know, especially that first half back and forth, you know, a lot a lot of punts. Uh and that fourth quarter for them, you have a chance to really maybe put the game away. And you would you would more times than not see them do that. So they miss the field goal early in the half. Then they have the nice touchdown drive after the Bills take the lead. And from there, after the Bills, uh, the Chiefs rattle off the 10 points in a row – and it's 20 to 17. Chris Jones gets away with a trip on a sack, which shit happens. It's just weird how this game was officiated horrendously on both sides, by the way. Uh there like just the fact that the officials constantly get put in these like constantly are making calls and then they have something like the Chris Jones play which is right in front of him. It was mind-boggling. Uh, but, um, let me see here. So the punt, the Bills punt, and then the Chiefs go three and out. And usually you would think in those situations, the Chiefs could go and really take advantage of the game. And instead they give it right back to the Bills 
and the Bills go right back down and score. Now, real quick on the Chiefs before I get to the Bills, because there's a thing I want to get at. There's a thing I want to get on with the Bills, and there's an overarching thing with these two teams that I want to touch on before we move on. The Chiefs, one of the reasons that I've been skeptical on them this year that I was coming into the year was I knew they'd be good with their offensive line. I think their defense is fine enough. The way they play, they're just gonna, they're, that's okay. I don't think they're defense that just is going to get vehemently gashed forever. Uh, they hold up well enough, even though they have some flaws. Um, and obviously with Mahomes, he's amazing. The one thing that – and they were able to get some chunk – uh, some chunk plays today to Juju, some catch and runs. But the thing that they take you, they take away that isn't there anymore is this ungodly explosiveness of that they used to have with Tyreek. Be, because of him having to take him away, you're able to hit bigger, deeper shots to Kelsey. You're able to hit bigger, deeper shots to Hardman. Uh, now, again, I've said this. They're deeper at receiver than they were a year ago. All that said. But without that kind of blow-the-roof-off danger, it's not as scary. And you, it's now like, all right, can you... They just don't get cheap touchdowns anymore. I don't really... They're the one... They don't have one really all year. With Hill, you could get one... Every other week, it felt like. Or with the offense they had, because you take Hill away, you can burst one with Hardman or something. Anything. They don't have that. They do not have that ability now. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle for them sometimes. To It's a struggle for any team in the league. I shouldn't just say for them. It's a struggle for any team in the league to just line up and snap the ball and have to rely on eight to ten play drives every time to try to get points. You need those cheap plays. That's why the Bills' offense is as dangerous as it is because, yes, they can do that. And the Chiefs can do it. It's just hard to be like, hey, we, you know, it's not a, oh, shame on the Chiefs. It's hard for any team in the league to do that, man. It's hard. Like, the Bills, it's hard for them, too. We know the Chiefs and Bills can. The point I'm trying to fucking make is, Difference in, the one big difference in the Bills and the Chiefs is the Bills can they have those guys on the outside one on one on deep shots that can just you can throw the ball up and they're going to run past the guy. That's the that was evident today. They're on some stuff. Gabe Davis, Stefan is able to get open and get free. We're going to have those moments. Okay, real quick on the Bills. Talking about making moves to beat a certain team. This is what they said, and you go out and get a guy like Von Miller. Fuck. Von Miller today showed that's why you go out and pay the ridiculous contract that you did to him because the way they use him <laughs> in the short, limited bursts that they do, he is a game changer. He absolutely wrecked the final two drives for the Chiefs. He, on the third down which forced them to punt that gave the ball back to Buffalo to score. He wrecked it uh, and forced Mahomes to do a wild whirling dervish dance before kind of killing the uh, before, before kind of killing the play. And then on 
the game-ending interception, he forced Mahomes out of the pocket. Made Mahomes have to only force him to throw to one side of the field. And Tyron Johnson made a fantastic play. Jumped the route, got there. Mahomes forced it. Mahomes forced it. And you do, something you don't see. Something you don't see often. But Von Miller pays dividends. He pays dividends. Now the overarching theme with both of these teams. These are the two best teams in the league. These are... I know I said earlier in the year, like, if I was just going to do this, yada, yada, the Bills and Chiefs would never leave this spot. Well, listen now, man. They're not leaving one and two for a while for me. The Bills are one, the Chiefs are two. And they might end up in different spots in the rankings throughout the year, but we are six weeks in, we are a third of the way through the year, and we are clearly, we clearly have levels in this league. It is the Bills and the Chiefs are so even, so dead even, they could go back and forth. And they are so far ahead of everybody else. On a neutral field, they will they would be at least seven point favorites against anybody, even the team like the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the head of the rest of the league. Like if you just put the rest of the league, the other twenty nine teams in one group, the Eagles are clearly that the leader of that pack. But I think in just tiers, the Eagles are clearly in that second tier. The Eagles very well might be in that second tier by themselves, but they don't gap the rest of the field like everybody else does. Like the gap from Buffalo KC to the rest to the third place team might be like the gap from the third at worst from like the fifth or sixth place team to maybe the last place team. I mean, shit, we saw Pittsburgh win today. We saw fucking Christ. The Raiders are one and four, but I think they're pretty good. I mean, hot damn, man. I mean, who's the worst team in the league? Pittsburgh beat Tampa today, and I can't believe it. Carolina. Carolina, Houston, those teams are terrible. Um, Jacksonville's been weird, but I don't think they're they're awful. They might finish 5-12. and 12. Uh, Who knows? That might be an... Oh, I can't say that. The Titans. If I had to bet money on who I think would win the AFC South today, it'd probably be Tennessee. Um... But Matt Ryan might have found it today. He did throw the ball like 60 times, and they won. So, But, yeah, man, these are the two teams. These are the two best teams in the league. One of these two teams are going to win the Super Bowl unless something crazy, an act of God, a some crazy acquisition, injury. It is these two teams. The win, whoever, Whenever they play again, in January, which probably will happen in the AFC title game, more or less. Do I think these teams are going to beat everybody else in that they play? No. I think Buffalo will probably go 14-3 and at best, more than likely. Kansas City, probably 12-5 and around there. But at the end of the day, these two teams, Buffalo, the way they play is... They, if you don't have the, if you don't have the ability to match up with them, they just fucking floor you and they drill you and you have no chance and the game is over before it begins. And for the Chiefs, they're a team that it doesn't matter how far down they are. They can spot you three scores and as long as there's time left, they're going to find a way. 
That's the thing I love about them so much is they're never out of it. But the thing today was, listen, we wanted to find – we knew that Josh Allen and the Bills' offense could deliver. I didn't care what that the Bills' offense gave them the lead on that last drive they had. I knew they could do that. We saw them do that when it mattered back in January. What I wanted to see was this defense get a stop when the lights were bright, when it was nut nut cutting time, when it mattered. And it's week six, I know. And Chiefs fans, some of you, mainly Nick Wright, and I love you, Nick Wright, don't, Chiefs fans that listen, don't give me the, oh, the Bills won their Super Bowl, blah, 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 when you know you'd be talking so much shit if you won. And you should. This league provides that. Okay? okay. Being humble is overrated. Honestly. It really is when it comes to being a sports fan. Um, Talk your shit, but don't be mad at Bills fans for being happy or being like, oh, this doesn't matter. This is big. The fact that the Bills were able to win this game, bar again, even if they tie, the Bills own the tiebreaker now. This game, when they play again, more than likely is going to be in Buffalo, and that will matter. That will matter. So... Chiefs fans, don't put up the fake facade of like, oh, you won your Super Bowl. This meant so much more to you than it did to us. Bullshit. It almost meant more to y'all because you were at home. Man. Listen. Is what it is. You guys are great. Don't be so fucking insecure. Because some of you are. Some Chiefs fans are so insecure. Because you won one goddamn Super Bowl. Which matters, by the way. It's hard to win the Super Bowl, but you win one and it's like your God's gift to earth. Talking about, I see some Chiefs fans on Twitter. It's like, oh, the Bills, you haven't done shit in so long. It's like before Mahomes, you guys were fucking irrelevant, man. Calm down. Understand where you've been at in your life. And now both of these teams have the two best quarterbacks alive. Two of the five, at worst, best players alive. And it's awesome. It's fucking incredible. And let's enjoy it. Just don't be stupid. Just don't be stupid. Oh, All right. Quick hitters next. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. 
All right, quick hitters from Sunday. I got three. Um, Brooke, just want to touch on real quick. Let's start with the Jets and the Packers. Um, I want to start with on the Jets side because there's two players I want to touch on that are amazing. Let's start with my boy, the guy that I thought was the best player in the draft this last year. He might be. Though, listen, Trayvon Walker's been great. Um... Kayvon Thibodeau's been awesome. Why do we overthink things? And Derek Singler's been good, too. Just thinking of the higher-end guys. But boy, oh boy. That that band sauce Gardner? Yeah. He's he's that guy. He's that guy. People try to tell me I didn't know what I was talking about with him. Yeah, he's special. He's very special. Um, Watching him make plays, watching him hang with guys and just the way he plays defensively. He is already one of the elite. He's an elite player. He's a superstar already. It's been six games. He's one of the best cornerbacks alive, like bar none, end of discussion. And this Jets team, are they, they got dudes, man. Like, I don't know how sustainable this is right now for them. They're four and two. They are four and two. We can't call them frauds now. I mean, we'll get to Green Bay in a sec, but, like, they went into Lambeau, couldn't throw the ball, and dominated. They beat the Packers' ass for 60 minutes. Unreal. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe that. I'm stunned. Brees Hall, too, man. The Listen, the line for the Jets... Moving guys up front, running the ball well, Brees Hall. I'm sorry. I was I bought into people trying to analytically gouge that draft choice. Nope, I was wrong. Big ups here. I should have my gut said you'd be good, and you are good. You're really good, dude. You're so good. And this Jets team, they're figuring it out. And maybe Zach Wilson can grow. Like, today for him, not good. It was ugly. 10 for 18, 110 yards. And listen, here's the thing. It was very – they had to pick and choose their spots because the weather was bad. They really couldn't pass block. They were able to move the line running the football. And I will say this. Here's the thing that impresses me. that impressed me the most. Two of their biggest drives of the game. Third quarter. Tied – at three, and you're trying to finally punch us, punch one in. You're you're driving. It's been punts all game long and turnovers and just a bunch of goof all game long. You're finally driving. You hit a huge play. You hit your big pass play. Finally downfield, uh, Corey Davis, and then you run a perfectly timed reverse. You get Dwayne Brown out on the edge. He's able to block and spring Braxton Berrios for six. Then you get the block punt touchdown, of course. Green Bay cuts it the lead in half. But then uh, later, they, to start the fourth quarter, they run this, like, weird trap jet sweep with Brees Hall, and he scores Two plays that were absolutely on must-have, gotta-have-it drives. They they play design some fantastic stuff. Now, listen, I know 
all the gimmicky stuff and whatnot. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. For what they have, do they have to be perfect? No. Do they have to look like every other team in the league? No, but they're finding a way. The fact that you're able to find a way and Zach Wilson isn't putting the ball in harm's way, he's not making mistakes. Now, he almost threw a horrendous pick. I think it was on, it was right before the Barrios touchdown where he was like rolling out and then just kind of lofted one to the end zone and it got, or no, it was on their field goal drive at the end of the first half. He just kind of fucking lofted it to the end zone and almost got picked. Yeah, sometimes he makes those mistakes, but a win's a win, man. And Robert Sala was inches away, it felt like, from being on the chopping block. And they were one and two. And it was one of those situations where we really didn't know exactly what the stages were for the Jets because not many people trusted Sala, and people were really expecting them to struggle this year but they've won three in a row and they have the comeback against the Steelers they dominate the Dolphins and obviously for you know we've gone at that game and now it's even a bit but regardless they what they were able to do was what they were able to do and then to win like to litter to really to go on the road and put it on Green Bay for 60 minutes I mean I don't know if we can question I don't know if we can question the Robert Sala stuff now because that team looks motivated and that team looks well coached and they've got guys in the right spots where if they kind of figure things out and they they clean things up, they start to cross some T's and dot some I's and Zach Wilson can improve. It's it's They got some nice stuff going, man. I really like what they're doing. As for Green Bay, oh boy, oh boy. Not good, bud. Not good. Couple things. Aaron Rodgers has been terrible this year. Their defense. We all thought, I guess, apology to the world that listens to me. Sorry for telling you Green Bay's defense was going to partially carry them. They've been bad. They've been what they've been for a while. They can't stop the run. They're not physical. They're first. They're like we all want to say they've got all these elite players, and they got guys like Rashawn Gary. And Kenny Clark and Jair Alexander, all those guys are great. But at times they're slow, and again, they're not physical. They get pushed around, and they only win one. Like, this is the thing. They literally only win one way. You have to either be incompetent at scoring or just a a low-level run team, I guess, or have backups. Like, they're three wins this year are the Bears game. Fuck, I said their name, whatever. They they beat them. We all know they're terrible. They beat the Patriots, who went into the game with Brian Hoyer. He got hurt. Bailey Zappi came in, and that game needed overtime to for the Packers to win. And who was their other win this year? I believe it was... Trying to look, because I'm mad now that I don't remember it all. Oh, it was the Bucks, The Bucks who were without all of their receivers, and they were only able to score 14, and the Bucks had a chance to tie the game at the gun. They had, What stage of this year have they looked impressive? The question came up 
a week ago, or not a week ago, a while ago, like, is Matt LaFleur an actual legit coach? Maybe that's a good question, because I don't know. Like, we are at the stage where we're having these moments and these discussions about him, and I think they're warranted. I believe they're warranted. What do they do well on at any level? What do they do well? Because the answers aren't there now. They beat up on inferior opponents. The Jets and the Giants were supposed to be inferior. They let the Giants come all the way back. They let the Jets push them around for 60 minutes. I don't know, man. You can tell me all of this. Don't overreact. Look at all the other. Like, Here's the thing. They're lucky that half the league, a thir- two-thirds of the league, is just extremely average right now. But they're two games back now against Minnesota. They already lost to them once. How many teams in the NFC, which isn't good, by the way, would you would you take over them? You want me to count? Because I can. Let's do it for experimental value. You take the Eagles over them. We literally just saw the Giants beat them. You'd probably take Dallas over them. How are the Packers' offensive line is brutal? How the fuck are they going to block Dallas? We saw Minnesota beat them. That's four. If Tampa had any skill players available, they probably win that game. I bet Atlanta could move the ball on them because Atlanta runs the ball well. I won't count them, though. San Francisco is six. I don't know about the Rams. I just don't. But that's just the NFC. Boy, oh, boy. That's a mess right now, man. That is a mess. Now, I'll give it the old schedule look ahead just to see. (laughs) Look, they've had two straight kind of get-right games, I guess. Like, this was supposed to be your get-right game. And you let the Jets, who I know I just said all these nice things about, but you let the Jets come to Lambeau and kick the fucking shit out of you for 60 minutes, man? Just bulldozed you. Unbelievable. And they play the Commanders this Sunday in Washington. If you can't get right there, man, then I don't know where you will. Because guess what? After that, you go to Buffalo on a Sunday night, and you guys might get fucking steamrolled. Good luck, bud. Good luck. Hate to see it. Not really. All right, Baltimore and the Giants. How about New York football? Nine and three through 12 combined games? Hot fucking dog. The Giants just find ways, man. And here's where I'm at when it comes to this Giants team. So, I think they're clearly the third best of the three NFC East teams that are playing well right now. They just happen to employ maybe the MVP of the league this season. Saquon Barkley has been sensational. He... Wasn't the reason they won today, but he was really good. Now, let's talk about, honestly, why they were able to win today. They actually have guys, like we maybe have undersold their roster a bit because they got dudes that can make plays. On the defensive side, they were 
very good at swarming. Of course, with Wink Martindale, they were able to pressure. And at the end of the day, the reason they won this game was they forced the Bravens into mistakes. And there's two sides of this. One, the Giants were able to do this, and then some others were self-inflicted. First off, the, t- the one that gave the Giants the short field to cut the game to – or, excuse me, to give them the lead. I don't know what you're doing there, Lamar. You fumble the snap, then you roll out, and you kind of just chuck it, and Julian Love makes the play. Good on him, but I don't like that one, my friend. And then the one that on the other end actually – was forced was the Kayvon Thibodeau play. Like, they got dudes on this defense that I really do like. Kayvon Thibodeau, we mentioned Julian Love, Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, Belton, that linebacker, Jihad Ward at the end. They've got guys that can make some plays. And offensively, they don't have much. That is That is true. But they have Saquon Barkley, who this season has been the best offensive player in the league. He's been the MVP. And that's all that matters. We said that this team was the 2018, I'm going to say their name again, I'm sorry, Bears. Uh, kind of reincarnated just with a weaker roster, a much weaker roster when you really apples to apples it. But they find ways. They're well coached. I don't know how sustainable this is because they are kind of getting some puck luck, especially today. You get two drives late that kind of just chalk up right by the goal line. Um, because Lamar kind of goofs the gab a little bit. Some of that stuff's not sustainable. But I wanted to mention it. Now, here's the thing, again, for the Ravens. They're 3-3, three and three, but thank God a third, or excuse me, two-thirds to three-quarters of the league is inept right now because instead of being a game or two back of the Bengals, they just beat the Bengals, and they're tied for the division lead. And the Browns can't get out of their own way. It's wild. It's wacky. And at the en- at the end of the day as long as you can just kind of either wait out all of the average teams in the league or get hot yourself, that'll matter. But we'll see. This league is something right now, man. It, the football is very choppy, but the and the games have been weird, but every game right now, it feels like anyone can win. Um, It's just madness. And lastly, I want to touch... Briefly on the Niners-Falcons, because that's a game for the Niners, man. Like, you're in a spot where you can really kind of put the, the the lock on the two seed in the NFC, or not the lock, but you can really kind of grab it by the balls. Um, Because you would trust yourself oh, in a full season scope over Minnesota, who's 5-1 and one right now. Um. But you would trust yourself in the scope over Minnesota. But, man, you drop that game to Atlanta. And now you go into a three-way tie in your division. Now, granted, the two teams that are below are in that tie with you beat and you beat thoroughly. But, man, that was tough. But I do want to mention this for Atlanta. Again, hand up. I was wrong and good on the Falcons. Marcus Mariota has been really impressive. I have said <laughs> um, Atlanta would be a fascinating Lamar Jackson landing spot. But I will say this. Marcus Mariota, for what they have done, he has been very impressive. He was today 13 of 14, and he ran the ball efficiently. And 
they were moving the ball up and down the field on the Niners. And this is another team that knows what they are. They know what they do best. And listen, man, last year we might have we, we drug Arthur Smith through the mud, and I think we were wrong for doing so. This year, so far through six games, they have been very impressive. They're well coached, they fight hard. They're just undermanned. They don't have the high end talent that other teams do. They have good players like Kyle Pitts, um, Drake London, the Zacchaeus kid that linebacker or at running or excuse me, a receiver is solid. Defensively, they have a elite player in AJ Terrell who might have got hurt today. Another elite player in uh Grady Jarrett. They have Casey Hayward. All those guys are high level. But outside of that, like they just don't have the the talent that these other teams do. Like even some of the other teams in their weight class. You know, like you look at a team like the Giants, who don't have much. Their be- their high end players though are much better, I think, than the ones that the Eagle or the that the, that the Falcons have. So it's just credit to the Falcons for hanging in there and fighting, and they're well coached. And this is a team that they're eating a lot of dead cap now, but they can make moves, and people will play in Atlanta. And Arthur Smith clearly knows what he's doing. Tip of the cap to them, man. I kind of wanted – I put them in here mainly because I wanted to, to show them some love. They're – why – I thought they were going to be the worst team in the league and tanking. Why on earth can't they make the playoffs? There are – here are teams that are 3-3 three and three, or <laughs> right now. Just 3-3. Three and three. Two, four. Indy, you count, so 5, 3, 2, and 1. Uh, two more because they play tonight. One's 3 and 2, one's 2 and 3. So what is that shit? 4, 5, so 7 possibly. And then 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 teams are 3 and 3, or in Indy's case, 3, 2, and 1, or in the Chargers or Denver's case, 3 and 2 and 2 and 3. That's just 3 and 3 and 500. Like, 13 teams. That's a third of the league. There's a beefy, beefy middle. And I think the gap from Team 6, 7 in this league, if that, like Team C. Here are the teams that I love more than any other right now, so far. The Bills, the Chiefs, Eagles, the Cowboys, because I know with Dak back, I think their offense can be more productive. If the Chargers can win tomorrow, that will be an impressive rally for me, and I will be pleased. Um, But still, I would say the Giants, because of how they've been able to win, I just don't know how sustainable it is. There's just not much so far. Like, the gap from, like, if you think of maybe Team 6, let's say Team 6 in this league to 30 to, to 29, the margins are not they're not that they're not thin, I should say, maybe. I don't know if that was the like the it's anyone's game, I should say. And that's what's great about this league right now. It's awesome. We love to see it. We love to see it. That's gonna do it for this episode. 
I need a drink of water. I have cotton mouth almost. This was exciting. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Tune in to tomorrow, uh, Elite Eight episode. I have no idea who the hell I'm going to put in the Elite Eight, uh, but we'll have that Monday night uh, rundown. We will also maybe do like a quick 30-minute, maybe, MLB thing. Maybe. Doubt it, but maybe. We'll see. Now, granted, we can't because the ALDS, uh, no, they had to move it back, so they could play tomorrow. I'm not sure. But regardless, we're going to be out. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. As always, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening.